Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. I hope you're all having a a great day and a wonderful week, and I just hope all things are going good for you. I want to remind you all that as we're going through this series of of 1 John, uh, we'll get to 2nd and 3rd John as well, that the goal of this season of Thursday Thoughts is to Help us see what the true marks of a Christian are. Uh, Again, and we're really getting into the heart of John's message today with our podcast episode today and the passages, uh, I should say the passage that we will be looking at. And so up to this point, we've seen how 1 John says, you know, real Christians acknowledge that Jesus is the Savior of the world. They acknowledge that they do have, you know, that they need forgiveness of their sins. They they know him and keep his commandments. They do not love the world and the things in the world. They, and again, they, they accept that Jesus is the Son of God, and they believe that he is who he says he is, and they abide in him and in his love and, and in God. And the opponents that John is talking about in this letter are these Gnostic, uh, these Gnostic teachers, these Gnostic believers back in the day, um, that's who John's opponents are. That's what we've been talking about. If you want to hear more about who the Gnostics are and stuff like that, you can go listen to um, one of the first couple episodes of this podcast series uh, for this season, and you will uh, see and hear about that. And so, today's passage, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 through chapter 3, verse 10. And in this passage... We're going to see how John characterizes God's children. Those And God's children are those who remain in authentic relationship with him. And he d- characterizes them as those who obey God and refrain from sin. And he contrasts them with those who have left the congregation, who, who John mentioned in last week's episode in 1 John 2, 18 through 27, about uh, the Antichrists and such and such like that. So John demonstrates in this in this text we're going to read today that those born of God, aka his children, exercise faith toward God and love for one another as they await Jesus's return. The proof of being a Christian is not merely orthodoxy but righteous conduct as well. Unrighteous conduct is unthinkable in the Christian who has grasped the purpose of the two appearings of Christ. The fact of his first appearing and the hope of his second are both strong incentives to live holy lives. And so, like I said, we're getting to the heart of John's message. You know, how can you know? Again, this season of Thursday Thoughts, the main question that we're going to be answering in first, second, and even third John are is, I should say, is whether or not you are a child of God. As you read through this text and you apply it to your life, you should be able to confidently examine yourself, and Lord willing, I hope you can say that I am a child of God. And so, let's get into the test today of what John has for us. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 28. You know, I hope you guys uh, have your Bibles out and follow along with this. So, 1 John 2, 28. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. 
See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared, this, he is Jesus, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And so there's a lot to unpack here. So let's get into it. So 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 is a transitional verse. On the one hand, it continues the theme of the previous verses, 24 through 27, as well as the topic of signs of the last day in what we talked about last week in 1 John 2, 18-27. Verse 28 also introduces a new theme of ethics right living and how correct ethic, ethical living prepares one for the return of Jesus. To summarize verse 28, those who abide in the truth about Christ as taught by John will be confident and not ashamed when Jesus returns because they will be holding on to the truth. 1 John chapter 2, verses 29 through 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 begins by talking about Jesus' future appearing. Those who do wrong by others reveal themselves to not be in right relationship with God. A person's actions should be the first measure of whether they are in a relationship with God. Verse 29 is saying that when we exhibit God's righteous character, we show that we are born of Him, just as a child might show features of their parents. Having introduced the idea that believers are the children of God, John is reminded of the wondrous nature of God's love by which we are granted this privilege. God demonstrates his love by allowing the community to be known as his children, and the community is the church, right? He ends verse 1 of chapter 3 with a contrast of the intimate knowledge we receive as children of God from the lack of knowledge found in the world. 1 John 3.1 tells us that we are, uh, excuse me, 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 tells us what we are, and 1 John chapter 3 verse 2 tells us what we will be. On the day that Jesus returns, a full transformation of believers will take place, though John admits that no one knows what this will look like. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 3, John is referring to the active role that a Christian plays in the effort to overcome sin. But his statement also points to the ultimate reliance on Christ, the pure one to accomplish this effort. John's ethical challenge is clear. Since the Son is absolutely pure and we will be like him when, we, when he returns, 
we must strive to purify ourselves continually until that magnificent hour. Once again, John's abide in him mandate is crucial to the purification process. To be purified of our sin, we must remain close to the one who is holy and truly pure. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 4-7, through 7, John now proceeds to the second part of his elaboration of the moral test, and this time links righteousness with Jesus' past appearing. That means when Jesus came uh, and ministered in his time of his ministry. His argument for the in- indispensable necessity of holy living is drawn now, not from the expectation of the Lord's second coming as it was before, but now when we shall see him and become like him, but from the purpose of his first coming, which was to remove sins and to destroy the works of the devil. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, John seems to be describing those who oppose Christ and the work of his church, which in the letter's context indicates the secessionists or the antichrists, as we read about last week, and their followers. John says that committing sin is the same as a complete disregard for the law of God. Sin is lawlessness. This is a universal truth. 1 John 3.5 offers an added reason why the child of God is to strive to live without sin, the person and work of Jesus Christ. John maintains that Jesus is the righteous one, the pure one, and the sinless one. Right? You see that in verse 29 is the righteous one. Verse 3, Jesus is the pure one. And then here in verse 5 of chapter 3, he's, Jesus is the sinless one. He is our atonement and advocate for our sins. And he is the supreme example and pattern of which his children should be and can be by abiding in him. Once again, John presents a contrast in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6. John says that no one who is truly in an intimate relationship with Jesus keeps on sinning. Verse 6 is a, a natural deduction from the previous verse. Since Jesus came to take away sin, since there is no sin in him, and the believer is to pattern their life after Jesus, it is obviously true that the one who remains in Jesus will not live a life of sin. The Apostle John asserts with absolute clarity that those who live in habitual sin have not seen Jesus and do not truly know him. This is the same as saying they do not have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. 1 John 3.7 serves as a warning to his readers. None of us are totally out of the devil's reach. Without contrast, or excuse me, without constant protection from God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit within us, we could all fall into the hands of the devil. That's why living righteously is so important. What is righteousness? In, in the most simple terms I could say it, living righteously means living according to God's will, living God's way. And again, when we become Christians, we have to We have to stop living for ourselves and we have to live for him. We have to die to our will and die to our way and begin living for Jesus, right? Luke 9 talks about, you know, we have to deny ourselves. We have to pick up our cross and follow him daily, right? Uh, Luke chapter 14 talks about the cost of discipleship. In 14 verse 33 of of the gospel of Luke, Jesus basically tells us that if we don't forsake everything that we have and know, we cannot be his disciples, And so what that means is that we have to resist sin. We have to leave it. We have to abandon it. We have to live the way that he has called us to live. And so now 1 John chapter 1 verses 3, 
or excuse me, 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, John follows the same pattern in his second exposition of his argument from Christ's appearing. He again begins with a reference to the seriousness of sin. Right? Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That's pretty that's a pretty serious accusation that John says there. And he continues with the purpose of Christ's mission on earth and concludes with a de- with a deduction about holiness. By this time his emphasis is rather on the origin than the nature of sin, and he insists that for the Christian its practice is not merely incompatible, but it's impossible. If we're, no one truly born of God makes a practice of sinning because God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And so if we've truly been born of God, we will abandon a lifestyle of sin. Does that mean that you're going to be perfect? Because, you know, as we read this passage, it may seem like, does this First John 3, verse 6 and verse 9, does it contradict First John chapter? 1 verses 8 through 10 about how if we confess you know how we should confess our sin because it may sound contradicting but it's not because again john's talking about a lifestyle here just because we have a lifestyle in christ and we're christians and we do our best does that mean that we're going to be perfect no there was only one person who came here that was perfect and that's jesus why do you think john is saying so much to Abide in God, abide in Jesus, walk in his ways, know him and keep his commandments. Because if we don't do our best to do those things and abide with him, then we then we won't know him and Jesus' blood won't cover us. And so that's why it's important to be faithful because we're not perfect, but we need to do our best to be and we need to do our best to abide with Christ because God looks at us, you know, if we don't have Jesus' blood covering us, then God will look at us and see the sin. But if he sees the blood of his, of his holy son, who was perfect, then we can be considered righteous. And it's not because of us, but it's because of what Jesus did. That is why we live holy lives. That's why it's important to live holy lives. That's why it's important to not make a practice of sinning, because Jesus tells us that to abide in him, we cannot continue in sin. And so in order to be truly saved, we have to live righteously, a.k.a. holy lives. In summarizing this section of John's epistle, the child of God is reminded of their unique calling and heritage. The believer's life is one marked by righteousness. Sin does not characterize the child of God. So as Christians, we should be characterized. People should be able to recognize you because of your righteousness and your holiness in your life and the way that you live not by the sin in your life. Our pattern is the righteous one, Jesus Christ, who came to destroy the works of the devil and the power of sin. Those who have been born of God live a life that resembles the righteous life of Jesus. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. A child has distinguishing marks of their parent. Therefore, The child comes to imitate and even embody the distinguishing marks of their parent. And so, as children of God, we need to show some of his features in our life. And so, we see today, I hope what what you'll see, is that the true child of God is not sinful. 
And when I say not sinful, that doesn't mean that they don't sin, because none of us are perfect. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Paul, Paul reminded us of that in Romans 3. But what I mean is that we don't have a lifestyle of it. We don't just you know, go around drinking and uh, you know, being immoral and you know, hurting people and such and such. Right? We don't use foul language. We don't talk bad about people. At least we shouldn't. And so the question is that we need to ask ourselves today as Christians is, am I truly living a righteous life or am I making a practice of sinning? Because the consequences are pretty severe. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. That's what John says in verse 8. Right? Verse 10 is the best way to end it. By this, it is evident who are children of God and who are, and who are the children of the devil. So therefore, if we don't live righteously, we're children of the devil. But if we live righteously, we're children of God. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And that's where we're going to jump into next week about another important mark of a Christian is love. And so I hope you'll tune in next week to our episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope today's episode has been encouraging for you. And I hope that looking at John's tests here in 1 John 3, that you can confidently say that you are living righteously and are truly a child of God. God bless you guys. Have a good one.